Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Welcome back to Financial Coaches Network's podcast. Emily, what are we talking about today? Okay, so today we're going to talk about how to teach personal finance to groups of kids. So not specifically your own kids, your own family, because we actually added that as another topic later on, uh, but, but groups of kids. So someone maybe approached you and said, hey, can you do a little chat about finance uh, to the local high school, junior high, even elementary school, potentially? Or maybe in like a, a local library or something like that, or a social group. Okay. So we're going to tackle that. Like, how do you, how do you teach the kids and keep them engaged? Is really, really the question, right? Because uh, it's a different conversation than with adults. Even with adults, it can get boring, right? So. Yeah. So some of this might be able to be applied to adults as well. Yeah. So, I think let, let's start off with what not to do. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, there's one obvious what not to do, or at least you would assume it's obvious, but it, um, you, it's amazing how often you see this. Okay. Which is you take your presentation that you've created for adults, you open that up and you start talking, right? (laughs) It is insane how often I see that where the presentation doesn't really change from audience to audience. Right, right. right? And I think it's, it's very important to realize that you can't just do that, right? Yeah. So we, we've had a number of comments or questions in the community recently, which suggests that most people in our Facebook community kind of already realize that, right? Yeah. Uh, but it is a very, very common thing, right? Yeah. Um, Some of the comments back to the questions that people have asked kind of bring us into our second what not to do. Okay. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And that is you take your presentation for adults and you throw in some pictures of like memes of of flossing, you know, the dance flossing or whatever else, right? You you try and make it young, (laughs) right? Maybe you yeah, throw in some references, you, you take out the reference of a job and you throw in the reference of like when you're playing in the sandbox, right? <laughs> I saw somebody said, it. what was the one? It was if you're, the screen on your, on your iPhone breaks. Right, right. <laughs> and that's, that's relevant, right? Right. Yeah. And so when we look at these, you, you, you can't just try to youngify it. You can't just, you, and I, that's another thing you see a lot. And some of the people's comments when people have asked questions about, hey, I've got a presentation to some high schoolers, what should I do? Some of the comments have been literally doing that. Yeah. You come across as inauthentic because you yeah. are. <laughs> right. 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 That's that's literally what you're doing. Um, but it can be hard for some people to 
know how to relate to kids, especially if you're not trained as a teacher or if you don't have kids of your own, you certainly would have even more trouble, right? Yeah. So I think the important thing is you don't relate to people by blindly borrowing their language, (laughs) right? You relate to people by talking to them about things that they have experience with. And one of the challenges is you have to do research on what are the the experiences, not of kids in general, but of this particular group. Right. Right. Because every age is different too. And every group is different. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you, if you want to teach to them, you have to create that. And it's not just every age is different, but like you said, every group is different, right? There's a difference between the experience of a eight-year-old in the inner city versus the experience of an eight-year-old in a rural farm area. Right. Right. And the, and that makes it, if you're going to be effective, that makes it difficult. It's just reality, right? So you're going to have to do work if you're going to try to be effective. Right. Yeah. It's definitely going to take some work. Yeah. I I I did a little research on my own and and got overwhelmed quickly. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Go ahead. The final big thing not to do, and again, lots of the comments of the responses of people, right? Don't talk about budgets. That bores the hell out of adults. You should not be doing it with adults either. <laughs> right. Right. Don't do it with kids. Right. They, they don't care. Right. They just don't. Right. <laughs> And so that's a, so those are the, like the big things not to do. Okay. So what do we do? Right. Right. And you start with your questions and then I'll, you know. Yeah. Go, well, I mean, go that way. Yeah. the first thing that came to mind for me was, and it is a say question, but like, what, what is the purpose? Like, what are you, what are you trying to accomplish? Right. So is it's, right. is this like a one-time you know, just a small short webinar. Is it a series? Not webinar, sorry. Hopefully it's in person. Um, and yeah. then, because it'd be really hard to engage them over a screen. But um, is this just one time? Is this more than one? Is this a whole curriculum? Because that's one thing I did find is there are whole curriculums around financial mm-hmm. literacy. Um, and some of them are, are decent, but but if you're just going in for like a one hour or two hour thing, you want to find out like, what is the purpose of it? What are you trying to accomplish? Is it some standard you're trying to to have a checkbox for the school, or is this just like an informative, I don't know. So I think finding out that question is probably the most important one first, is what do they expect Mm -hmm. to get out of it? Yeah, and have realistic expectations, especially for yourself, about what's going to be gotten out of it, right? Because you can't You're not going to get 10 clients out of it. No. (laughs) Right, that's not gonna happen. Um, you know, people think, oh, well, the, the kids will talk so highly of me that they'll talk to their parents. Absolutely, that could happen. You it have could. to be ridiculously amazing at it. And if you're <laughs> yeah. that good at it, don't waste your time with the kids. Find ways of getting directly to the parent. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, so that's one expectation. The next expectation is don't expect them to learn personal finance. Yeah. That it's not going to happen, yeah. right? 
Even with a full course, they don't typically. No. In fact, it's a huge amount of research that shows that personal, that financial literacy courses do not work. Yeah. Right. It just yeah. does. Um, at, so at any age. At any age. At any age. Yeah. What people take out of it is what they're dealing with at the time they're taking the course. That's what they write. Right. right. So if you're going into it thinking, I'm going to teach these kids how to budget, I'm going to teach these kids the importance of an emergency fund, I'm going to teach these kids the importance of in, you know, investing in their future. None of that is going to happen. It just isn't. What if you have, like, is it, would it be better to focus on just like one concept that you want them to take away? So that's, that's where we have to come down to what is the one thing you want them to take away? Yeah. Because you also can't throw 12 things at them in an hour and expect right. them to retain any of it. Yeah. Right. So the better way of doing it is exactly what you identified. Identify a single concept. And then if you have an hour, break it into 10 minute chunks. Yes. And I was going to say that. You need to have breaks or something. Different ways of explaining that same concept. Yeah. Interactive interact well it should go back and forth between interactive video um you know you want one of the biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to learning and you see this all over the place i guarantee you if we ask this poll in the question no one would answer the poll question correctly and it's about themselves right i'm asking them a question about themselves and they would answer it wrong right and that is what is your learning style Mm -hmm. Right. And we ask people to like put in the comments, what is your learning style? And everyone would answer it wrong (laughs) because there is zero evidence that anyone has a learning style. Okay. I love that you're saying that because I I hate when I read that and I'm supposed to be, you know, studying for stuff and I'm supposed to be learning this because of learning styles. And I'm like, aren't we all kind of just learned by all the different methods, essentially? Like, yes, more exposure, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) So yes, certain learning styles are dominant for certain people, but that dominance is very misleading, right? So when people say, oh, I'm an auditory learner or right. Number one, no, you're not. You learn through all of them. Yeah. You might be dominant in auditory, but that dominance is very slightly higher than the other ones. And what all of the evidence shows is that a multi uh, sensory experience. So where you are, all of the learning styles are mixed together and presented in one, right? Right. That is the best for everyone, regardless of what their quote unquote dominant learning style is. I think I remember hearing that. Yeah. I think I remember hearing that in college because our, I remember how important, I think a professor told us that probably would make sense, right? But I remember him yeah. telling that, like, you hear it, you need to write it, and like, just, and just the, having it in multiple places is what helps the memory, not any yeah. one particular one. And, and it helps the understand. to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's one of the things to really make sure that you're doing when you're presenting to anyone, but especially to kids, is yeah. you have to have the multiple aspects to it. And repetition is important, right? Yeah. Which is why 
Don't try and do 10 things in 10 minute increments. Do one thing 10 different ways in 10 minute increments. Right. right. And that's frustrating because we want to give them everything, right? I did my one shot to help the units, right? <laughs> and number one, it might be your one shot to help these kids. Right. It takes the ego out of it. It's not yeah. their one shot to get help. Yeah. So the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want to actually help them? Or do you want to try to get everything that you want to say to them? regardless of whether they understand it or retain it, right? And so it's much more important to just focus on that one thing, figure out what that is. And that, again, goes back to your first question of, what are we trying to get out of this? Yeah. Right? Because if we don't identify that, that's a problem, right? So. Um, okay. Yeah. So go go well, I was going to say, I was going to bring in my personal experience and, mm -hmm. um, and talk about that briefly. Cause it, it made me, so the story is my daughter was in fourth grade last year and I was, I've been studying for the AFC and I've been learning about insurance, which is incredibly boring. And I kept falling asleep when I was trying to study, but anyway, she heard us talking about it. And cause that's how I, I remember by not just writing it and taking notes, but by talking about it. So I, drives my husband crazy but I talked to him about some of the things that I'm reading like oh I, I you know I knew this before but it didn't really sink in until now and so by me saying it it helps me remember it so my daughter said oh insurance we had an insurance company come in and teach us about insurance last year like you did in fourth grade and the only thing two things she remembers from all of it was one it was progressive and so at the end of the whole thing she said well everybody said at the end oh, I want to have progressive when I grow up and so that kind of bothered me that they're being brainwashed already with brand names, but that was, that was one point. And the other point was they had a game, like an interactive game that they played. And mm -hmm. she remembered how fun that was and how everybody really liked that part of it. So yeah. she just took those two. That was it. That's all she took away from it really was those two things. I don't even know if she really learned how important insurance is, except that they want to get insurance someday, which maybe that's, maybe that is a good thing. At least that they learned they need to get some kind of insurance. So I think that that is, especially for children, that is the fundamental thing. Yeah. Right. It's not. It's not about them learning the concepts. That's irrelevant. Right. Sitting down and teaching kids, here's how you budget, does not matter. Yeah. They're not going to remember it. Your budgeting technique is all that great anyway. The one that you teach. Right. Yeah. Uh, we may think it so, is. Well, we all think it is. Yeah, exactly. But it's not. But teaching them, wow, this is, I want this. That is a much more valuable thing. And so in all honesty, sure, I, I know the brand name thing <laughs> rubbed you the wrong way. Yeah. Right. But from a very, very fundamental level, it was a very, very effective thing, not just for the company, but more importantly for the kids. Yeah. Because it, it helped them to see the importance of insurance. Right. And want it. You know, the idea of, well, term versus whole and all this other stuff. No, none of that matters. No, none of it matters at all. Yeah. 
They won't right? remember it. And why does it matter to them yeah. anyway? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and so when I when I look at that, that comes a that that's a really good presentation. Yeah. Because right? it makes them not afraid of insurance and then it makes them understand it. A lot yeah. of people would say, yeah, that means that insurance agents are going to be able to take advantage of the war. Okay, well, that's what layering of education is. Right, right. Right. And parenting too, right? Like that's, so it's mm -hmm. not just what they get in school, but also what we teach them as parents. Like they, they may have run home and said, hey, mom, I want to get progressive. And then you can have a conversation about that. Well, progressive is the one who denied our claim on our, <laughs> on our camper. Right. So, right. So we could talk about that, but, but there are other good insurance companies out there. Yeah. And so I think that's the big thing you want to figure out that it, when you think about what is one core thing, it's not what is the one core financial concept. Yeah. It's what is the thing that you want them to take away from, uh, I want this when I get older, right? Whatever that this is. Right. So it's a, it's a good lesson, even though I wasn't happy about it being aggressive. The takeaway was good. They played interactive games and they enjoyed it and they yeah. remembered it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, was a, a good lesson, I guess. <laughs> I would agree. Yes. Yeah. So let's say, you know, okay. Sounds great. I love the idea of doing all this. How do I even start preparing? Like, so I want to do a game, right. Or I want to do some kind of interactive thing. How do I research how best to do that with kids? So I've seen some curriculum, there's curriculum online. But a lot of it is it's for like a whole course, essentially. So whole, it would be a semester or something like that did find a couple that were mentioned in our group. One was next gen personal finance. And mm -hmm. it looks like it's all free, which is fantastic, but there's a lot to get through. So you'd have to comb through a lot of, a lot of information before you find something that's useful, but it is all free. So that was really nice. Yeah. Um, and then junior achievement was another one listed, but I think that's just for like full semesters from what I could tell. So I would start with, I, I would start with, don't start with personal finance, right? right. Um, you know, the, the best personal finance curriculum is going to be not so great curriculum. Just like the best chemistry curriculum is going to be not so great curriculum, right? I would start by looking at what are really good award-winning curriculums regardless of the topic for this age group. And then I would think about once I have that, right? What would then be, so they're like teacher of the year, things that states have, they might show some of the curriculum as a, like examples of what the teacher did with, with the kids. Okay. Right? Yeah. And then looking at that and saying, okay, how can I adopt the principles of what was happening here? The pedagogical principles of what was happening here to personal finance, right? Okay. So start with just really good ways of teaching kids and then say, okay, now let's turn that into a personal finance lens as opposed to what are good ways of teaching kids personal finance? Because you're really limiting the universe of what you're looking for. Right. 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 Um, and so that that would be that would be where I would start is not at the personal finance level, but at the general right. age group level of what's really good methodologies for teaching kids. For that, that group. Age. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I know like yeah. elementary, 
manipulatives, right? Love that term. Mm -hmm. It's like the big, that's yeah. the big thing, right? So it's getting to play with something, right? So little th things you can use with your hands, yeah. right? So you're getting, yeah. and you're, and, and I found that very effective with kids that are having trouble. I volunteer sometimes. So very good for kids that are struggling with things to really grasp the concepts instead of seeing it on paper, they're getting to see what it looks like physically. So that age group would be great for that. And I don't have any kids in middle school, so I have no idea what you would do for that age, but I would think about a lot of examples and just real life scenarios. Um, yeah. Would be middle good for school, that, but. Middle school is very much you know, games in general are really, really helpful ways of teaching and story. Right? Stories, Broadly yeah. speaking, humans yeah. in general, we learn very effectively through games and we learn very effectively through stories, right? Yeah. And so those are like the two big things that you want to focus in on, right? Now, manipulatives tend to work best when they're in the form of a game. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> and manipulatives that are in the form of a game that have a story incorporated into the manipulative is extremely effective. Before oh, man. <laughs> you're making it so complicated now, but you're right. Well, you're and this right, is but... this, but this is one of the big things you have to figure out is if you're going to do this, are you going to do it? Right. If you're not going to yeah, do it right or just don't do it at all. Cause otherwise you're wasting your time. You're wasting their time. Yeah. 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 And I think that's one of the things that a lot of people, they get, really excited to buy opportunities without thinking is this really the right opportunity for me right maybe you get help from someone else or have outsource it to somebody else that might be better at it yeah hence why progressive right i mean progressive they know what they're doing they they obviously yeah. have some program they do it in a bunch of schools probably a bunch nationwide i'm sure people have heard of this so or maybe they haven't and i guarantee, <laughs> if and I guarantee you it. yeah yeah. And I guarantee you, they did not say, okay, sales rep, go in and do and create a presentation. Right. They probably took one of those teachers of the years, right? Yeah. And they hired them, maybe 12 of them at the yeah. at, for each grade level that they created curriculum from for. And they created very pedagogically sound. Pedagogy is the study of how you teach. Right. So very pedagogically sound uh, stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, so go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, we had a comment um, and it sparked something that my school does too. It says in eighth grade, so this is from Emily. She said in eighth grade, we did a simulation where we got a job salary and did stuff like that, basically. So it was like a whole experience where you had a job and you worked in like a community, mm -hmm. I think, because. Our, I believe our school, I don't know if they do it. I'll have to find out my daughter's in fifth grade this year. Uh, but they last year, or two years ago, they did it where it was very similar to that, where they essentially have a, a town, essentially, and everybody has a job. And then you learn about money and how money transfers and that kind of thing. Um, and then um, Malika, I think I said your name right. She said she did that in junior high too. And everybody remembers that. So yeah, having it be yeah. as interactive as possible where you are a player in the game of a story. Um, is a great way to help them. Now that's a little bit longer. I think uh, the simulation, Emily, can you comment or Malika, can you comment how long that was it like a week long program or was this something that you guys built up over time? And then you did the simulation like at the end. I'm just curious how that works. 
generally those types of things are more than what you can do in an hour. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I think, right. I think in our school, it was like, they taught them like once a week and got the prep for it and gave them like their roles and everything. And then they had the simulation on a full day. I'm pretty sure it was so, like an eight hour day where when I made eight or six hours, probably um, okay. a course of a few months. Yeah. Oh, so Emily said hers was just an afternoon, just a couple hours. It's interesting. So there's, there's a lot of different things, right? Um, way of doing it. I, I think that one of the things you also have to be careful of when doing these is what lessons are you accidentally teaching? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So for example, I think of like uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So for example, this is a very personal finance oriented one. My guess is many of you uh, have had this experience in, in your career and you probably credit it with in some way moving you toward personal finance or at least caring about personal finance. So a very common thing at my college is uh, in the economics department, they will do a stock trading game and contest. Okay. Well, they will actually have them, you know, choose some stocks, track them over time, so on and so forth. And I will not do it in the personal finance course. And I have talked their personal finance professors out of doing it in their course. And the reason why is because what you are teaching is short-term trading. Yeah. Yeah. And what you are doing is you are rewarding the person that happened to get the luckiest with choosing a stock that might have just had a horrible time at the beginning of the semester and uh, went well toward the end of the semester. Right. Um, and so th those types of simulations become really, really problematic because they don't look at things over any reasonable time period. Right. right. Now, people get really excited about it, but what they're getting really excited about is bad investing behavior that can cause problems later. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing to consider is what else am I teaching inadvertently without realizing it? Right. Right. And the kids will and, find it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they will definitely yeah, they find will. whatever you're not intending to teach. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> and so it's it's, it's incredibly important that you are familiar with that, right? That you, that you take your time to think about that, you know, and how, how are you going to address it or should you even do that particular thing? Right? I think yeah. that one of the biggest things that gets taught with budgeting is when people try to teach budgeting and they try to put it into game and other things along those lines, right? There is an experience in the game where the budget or their spending keeps them from being able to do something they want in the game. And so therefore, one of the things that they can learn is budgeting is limiting. It limits me. Right. And it doesn't help that a lot of people talk about budgeting from limiting perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so you can actually have a person come up with the core thing of, I don't really like that idea. 
I don't want to budget because then it won't let me do yeah. certain things. Yeah. Well, adults come away with that. Mm-hmm. Be honest, right? Yeah. And it, some of it may be from, you know, it may have been contributed by some of the things that they played early on. Right. Yeah. Um, and so now I'm taught myself more and more into my advice being, don't do it. Don't do it. Well, unless you're going to actually take the time to really, right. really develop a, a good yeah. curriculum, understand the, the implications of it, right? To do what purpose did with your daughter's school. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you know, unless you're going to spend resources, actually a really good job, um, you know, really consider if it's the right thing to do. Uh, and I'm not actually saying don't do it, right? but take it seriously. Really consider, yeah. should I be doing this? or? And if you don't have the time to actually build something correctly, then go to one of the ones that is already out there. Yeah. And it's going to suck, but it's going to suck less. Yeah. Well, that's what I was considering is just volunteering to help with the one that they do at our school. Not the, not the progressive one. The, uh, the, right. the bigger one that they do. I thought about just volunteering to help with that just to kind of see what they do and maybe mm-hmm. make suggestions for improvements because if I don't like it this year, I can improve it from when my son goes through it right, in two years. Right. So. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, yeah, I thought about just getting involved and I thought that would be uh, an easy way to have not a, a lot of work on my end, uh, but still be involved in it Yeah, and learn something about it. So I want to leave people with something tangible that they can take away. Okay, good. (laughs) And so what I will leave leave you with is how do you figure out that core concept, right? What is that one thing that you're going to do? And the the thing that you want to do is you really want to try to strip away all the personal finance stuff and get to much more of the, what is the psychological or the behavioral underpinnings, right? So a great example of this is the marshmallow test, right? Who could not, could avoid eating the marshmallow in it. So are you familiar with this test? No, I don't. I'm trying to remember if I know this one. So they did a test where they, where they lined up um, get kids with marshmallows and they ask the kids, um, you know, if you wait, if you can wait, right. And not eat this marshmallow for 10 minutes, you get a second marshmallow. You get two marshmallows. Okay. Right. And some kids ate it right away. Other kids kind of waited. Okay. Okay. And there's all sorts of interesting things that came out of this, including the coping mechanisms that kids used in order to be able to wait. Right. Um, which are really effective coping mechanisms for adults as well, right? I can imagine. I should try this with my kids just to see what happens. Yeah, just to see what happened. And then they followed up with those kids later on and found that the kids that waited had better life outcomes, right? They had more wealth, higher income, higher graduation rates, other things along those lines. And there's all sorts of theorizations why, right? Okay. One of the factors... So this is not the reason, this is the big takeaway, but one of the factors is that uh, they had the ability to delay gratification. Right. Right. 
but that's a, and, a trait that they had probably right so it's a trait but it also was there were uh coping mechanisms that they had in order to be able to delay gratification okay so one of the examples was and there's a whole bunch of these but one of the examples was the kids that were able to wait were really good at distracting themselves they forced themselves to be distracted by other things. Rather than staring at it, allowed to leave the chair, right? They weren't yeah. allowed to leave the chair, you said? They weren't allowed to leave the chair, oh, but they gosh. forced themselves okay. to be distracted by other things. Okay. So they weren't looking at the marshmallow. Of course, but you could still right. smell it. So yeah, it's true, but that is a not a trait. That is a learnable behavior. Right. Yeah. So when we look at this, um, you know, the, the idea of delayed gratification is a very valuable thing in general. Now, mind you, it's not the only factor that's important, but it is a factor that is important, right? Yeah. So that might be the whole thing that you focus on is the concept of delayed gratification, right? It's important for investing for your retirement. It's important for budgeting. It's important for whatever else. Everything. Right. And that's great for life. Yeah. 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 It's just a generally a good tool to have. And so that might be the one concept that you do, right? Delay right. gratification. And then you have 10 different ways that you teach them and tell them stories about and other things about the benefits of gratification. And of course, you can tie it back to the idea of, you know, investing for your future and whatever else. Right. And that becomes your big focus. Right. Just like progressive, their big focus was if you have insurance, it will help you if, if bad things happen. Yeah. I guarantee you that is what progressive um has. Yeah. Right. That's the entire thing. If you go through their curriculum, I guarantee you it is 10 different ways of explaining to them if a bad thing happens and you have insurance you're going to be okay yeah that, that's yeah. that's all which is a great <laughs> lesson right yeah, yeah. <laughs> right emily wants you to write a curriculum on delayed gratification now <laughs> i have one actually i was gonna say you probably have it somewhere <laughs> yeah uh, yeah uh, I have an age-appropriate one, and it starts at six months, six months to one-year-old, to two-year-old. Um, it's all based on um, childhood development stages. So, Cool. Here you go, Emily. So if you want to just yeah. talk to Josh. I, I don't have it ready yet because I, I've got some additional work to do around it um, with some updated childhood development research so of course <laughs> research research, it's I, mean, always research. I mean that's that's another takeaway right do, make sure you do your research yeah absolutely yeah and don't worry about making it you know relevant to them talking in their language so on and so forth right the kids don't need you to talk down to them because that's what you're really doing is talking down to them right but you have to use words they understand at least. Yeah, just use words they understand. Yeah. That's it. 
right? It depends on the age level as to whether or not they understand certain words. So you just have to be careful about that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, at ages, you know, kids are more interested in certain topics. So, you know, don't talk about, no, don't, don't tell the story about a 43 year old single mom that got just got divorced, so on and so forth. Right. <laughs> tell a story about, um, you know, the, uh, you know, the squirrel. <laughs> right. I say, if you right. tell the story about the divorced mom, you're going to get all these hands up. Oh, my friend's mom got divorced and blah, blah, blah. You're going to get a lot of those kind of stories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's a story about the squirrel and then that's it. That, that's yeah. the modification. Yeah. <laughs> and be careful to open up, don't open the floor to open discussion because <laughs> you'll get a lot of random things that they talk about. Yeah, you want, that's another skill that, again, be very careful about going into this. Classroom control. I mean, there, when you are a learning to be a teacher, every class you take, in but in learning to be a teacher and getting your degree to be a teacher, there are there are elements of classroom control in it, yeah. and many programs actually have an entire course on classroom control as well. Yeah. Um, you may think you're going to be good at it. You are going to suck at it. You're going to take suck. a lot of work <laughs> to figure that out, and it's hard. I have no training in it, and I volunteer regularly in my kids' classrooms, and I do it once a week. I volunteer in there, both of them. And yeah. even working with like two or three kids, I have trouble with control. So yeah, yeah. you're going to suck at yeah, it. So if you, you want to do some research, if you're going to do a, a proper program. And the strategies are different at different age levels. It's not like you yeah. learn the strategy and you're good. No, I watched it. I learned from the teachers, but yeah, they do change. And, and every teacher is a little different. So they probably are just using whatever technique works for them. But that's yeah. true. Yeah. So yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you. That was a good discussion. I loved it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to Financial Coaches Network backslash start here or Financial Coaches Network backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.